0: Hello, and welcome to Health Views with Deb Friesen, MD, a podcast about health and wellness within today's healthcare landscape. I'm your host, Dr. Deb Friesen with Kaiser Permanente, and I've been working in healthcare for over 20 years. During that time, I've learned that the most powerful tool for healing is the power of listening and the value of asking the right questions. Come join me as we'll together explore timely topics that impact people, businesses, and communities. Now let's check out today's view. For our first episode, I am pleased to have Dr. Troy Long as my guest today. In addition to being a longtime friend, Troy is a practicing physician with the Colorado Permanente Medical Group who cares for patients across the state. Troy is also an early adopter and advocate of telemedicine, which will be today's discussion topic. So Troy, you didn't start your professional life in medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey?
1: I came out of high school, there was two routes for me to go and one of them was into engineering and one of them was into medicine. Those were the two passions that I initially had. I went into engineering and became an engineer and worked for Conoco uh, oil company for about eight years in total, five years as an employee and three years as a independent contractor having my own consulting firm. And during those three years that I worked with Conoco, I went back to school to get the prerequisites done to go back to, into medicine. That's a big darn change.
0: It really was a big change for you. Did you initially come to Kaiser Permanente after you received your MD and did your residency training or what was your journey there?
1: So I trained at the University of Colorado for both med school and for residency, and then went back to my hometown in Salida, Colorado, a town of about 5,000 people. The hospital that I worked for there and the private practice that I worked for, we supported about 35,000 people in the county.
0: And did telehealth exist at that time?
1: <laughs> yeah, telehealth existed when my nurse called them and said, we need to see you for your, your uh, refills or to talk about your lab. But that was the only telehealth that we really had.
0: Did you make phone calls?
1: I can't remember a single phone call that I I would have made uh, unless it was to talk to a family member about a critical issue that wasn't either in the hospital or in, in need of some other information.
0: So you transitioned over to Kaiser Permanente and you start seeing patients. Was telehealth part of your practice at that time when you started? How long ago?
1: I started in 2006, so that's about 14 years ago, just a little bit over that. And so yes it was part of the Kaiser Permanente experience that I had and it was really new to me. I could not even imagine treating a urinary tract infection or a sinusitis uh, over the phone when I came into the Kaiser Permanente world and and the way that we do Permanente medicine. So I hadn't even conceived that that was going to be a possibility. Also I you know in private practice the way that you receive money and receive payment for your knowledge and experience and the product that you're ultimately selling to your patients is by seeing them face-to-face. And in the Kaiser Permanente model, we didn't have to see them face-to-face. So it took me a while to feel comfortable prescribing medications, refilling medications, doing lab results, taking care of urinary tract infections over the phone. And I, I look back and think, man, taking care of a UTI over the phone, It's just such simple things at this point. And then I was thinking, man, this feels like really high-risk stuff.
0: And and has it turned out to be high-risk stuff for you? Do you feel that way now about it?
1: Not at all. So when I see a high-risk situation now, I look at it much, much differently. And one of the number one ways that it becomes high-risk is when you have numerous virtual visits and the situation has not improved. So that's the first high-risk kind of flag for you. If you're making medication adjustments and don't have a follow-up uh, appointment available to you or something of that nature, like taking care of heart failure on the phone and adjusting their Lasix dose, having labs done in three to five days or seven days, and then having a face-to-face follow-up, that feels very comfortable to me now, whereas I couldn't even imagine doing that level of complexity in the past.
0: So. It seems like it was quite futuristic of Kaiser Permanente to be doing video, I'm sorry, phone call visits in 2006. I know that you're going to have to just give me your opinion around this, but why do you think they were making that move at that time? That was 14 years ago.
1: So their vision was way ahead of my vision, and I I don't know how somebody came to to that conclusion. I do know that it is the right thing to do. And when you put the patient at the center and you make care convenient, that's, that's got to be the reason that we started doing this, thinking about how to make it easier for patients and make it easier for providers too. And then the, you know the JAMA article that came out, I think it was nearly a decade ago, that said that 70% of care doesn't need to have a physician taking care of it. That plays a, a point in here too, in a face-to-face way.
0: And I think that one of the things that we learned in med school, which is we were told over and over again as med students, that history is 90% of the diagnosis. Is that borne out by what you're experiencing in telehealth?
1: It is. And you can have a patient do your exam for you if you can coach them properly. For, for example, I had a, a patient, I think it was last week, I made her bounce on her toes to see if her belly hurt when she was bouncing to see if there was some kind of a rebound. And then had her lay back and do the classic rebound, push down as hard as you can until, you know, you can't go much deeper and then remove your hand quickly. And her response was, ow! So, I mean, you can do those same type of exams. You have to trust that the patient's going to do them appropriately. And it's in their best interest to do it
0: appropriately. So you're really borrowing the patient's hands to be yours for that physical exam.
1: I don't want to do it very frequently, but on occasion, yes.
0: That's really fascinating. How has COVID nineteen changed telehealth? Can you tell us about what that was like going through that as it became an issue? How has that affected your practice of practicing through telehealth?
1: Well, I think it has expanded it very, very dramatically. We've seen uptakes in Colorado that are dramatically higher than anything we had seen before. Record setting on chat, record setting on TAV, telephone advice visit, and then as the, we converted most of our face-to-face visits to virtual visits and now reaching somewhere in the 80% of all of our care delivery is being delivered virtually, it's been a huge change, a, a tidal wave of virtual visits that have happened.
0: And how hard was that for the transition to happen for a lot of people? It sounds like there are physicians, clinicians, They're doing telehealth. Do they drive to the office to do that? Where are they doing this from?
1: All different locations. There are several physicians, specialty doctors that have been doing telehealth for a long time as well. So for those that were already doing the the dedicated telehealth, it was an easy ramp up. So we just committed to more hours and put more schedules in and, and took away some of our administrative time to deliver telehealth care. Now, for the, the, the vast majority of the doctors that were doing face-to-face care, remember that they were delivering 60-some-odd percent of that care virtually already. They had to convert that 30%, 40% to telehealth care visits, and so it was a lot easier for us to do that. They were handling emails and phone calls, and their nursing staff and support staff were helping out with some of those virtual care touches as well, so it wasn't as hard for us as it was for somebody in a private practice setting to develop new channels and new uh, venues for them to deliver virtual visits. We did it in at home. We did it at the office. Uh, some people have it on their phone so that they can do it from any type of location. So it is really something that we've made it as easy as possible to make that type of a transition. But we also deployed a lot more computer assets so we put the laptops in the hands of many, many new telehealth doctors.
0: Troy, I want to follow up on a comment you made that you have dedicated people doing telehealth. Can you tell us about the difference between people who are doing that from a dedicated space versus are there people that do it maybe part time? What does that mean?
1: So The dedicated FDE is typically part time. For the most part, there are very few virtualists solely virtualists in our organization at this point. I think that's going to change in the future.
0: So a follow-up to that, as a virtualist, I assume then that you really don't have your own panel of patients that you're following. And a a virtualist isn't necessarily a primary care physician. Um, It can be A emergency room doc. It can be a lot of different docs who are actually practicing through telehealth. So what is that experience like for you to have someone that you've never met before, you're interacting with them, you have to make an accurate diagnosis, meet their needs, and then prescribe something that's going to be helpful to them. Is that hard to do for someone that you don't know, you've never met, and you're actually just really relating to virtually? The
1: vast majority of our patients in the Kaiser Permanente system have experienced some form of telehealth or virtual visits in their, their tenure with us. Those that are not experienced with it have a little bit more difficulty with accepting what we do, but the vast majority know what to expect, and that's the biggest challenge is helping patients understand what the expectations are, and then you can lay out what that treatment plan is. And then give the cautions that they need to hear about what red flags you want them to change from a virtual to a face-to-face visit for. So as long as you're doing the precautions well and building a level of trust, starting out with, hey, I have your medical record in front of me. I see that you're on these medications, checking their allergies. That level of trust grows with every time that you give them a data point that, that is specific to them and that they know that, huh, this doctor really does know at least my medical record and those things about me that are in the medical record. And it develops a level of trust.
0: And what about going the other way? How How is it that you develop your trust in the patient? I can imagine that sometimes you get phone calls where people are pretty certain, just like they are in, in in-person visits, that they know what's going on, they know what they want or, or have an idea of about what they need. Do you feel like people have a little less um, trust in you, or have an idea of what they want when they call in? And how do you trust them back, in order to know that they're being straight with you?
1: In some cases, I think it's really simple that you are able to to discern that they're giving you a good story because it will match the disease process that you're thinking of. When it starts to not match, is when there's either a mismatch in symptoms or there's a mismatch in in their way of telling that history and that story, it can make you a little bit uncomfortable. And when you feel that level of discomfort, you have to honor that and understand that there's something else going on that you may not understand at that point. And that may lead to a face-to-face visit because of the, the level of trust in the information that you're getting.
0: Troy, I hear in your voice right now and the words that you're saying, just that whole compassion for the patient's experience and knowing that sometimes you have to dig a little deeper, um, which is what I I know about you as a person and a physician. So we've been saying telehealth and that is actually quite, quite a broad description of a lot of different things. Can you describe what telehealth means inside of Kaiser Permanente?
1: Telehealth to me means text or chat, telephonic, visit, the video visit how you fit email into a telehealth. Those are the the avenues and the channels of care delivery that we have developed in Kaiser Permanente at this point.
0: And do you practice all four of those methods or modes of telehealth?
1: I do. Much fewer emails now that I'm more in the virtual care setting than I did when I was a, in a continuity internal medicine practice. So not nearly as many emails, whereas I would see I don't know, between 10 and 20 emails a day or even more in in continuity practice, I probably see 10 or 20 emails a week rather than daily.
0: So your equipment as a physician has changed. So not using your stethoscope as much. What equipment do you need as a virtualist?
1: It depends on the visit. So when you are thinking about you know, an email visit and what equipment you use there, it's the words that you're choosing to ask questions about and the words that they're using to describe their symptoms and, or the, the, the challenges that they're having, whether it's a refill that they need to have done or a lab test that they're requesting or a lab result that they want to know more about. Telephonic setting, you can count how many breaths they're taking and we call it five or seven word dyspnea so shortness of breath with only using five words or using seven words so you can judge a respiratory effort based on that you can judge pain too you can hear people crying on the phone you can hear their their frustrations and their anxiety uh, and so it becomes about words again but tone and inflection and the way that they use those words in a audible way gives you clues to what is happening in a telephonic visit. Probably the easiest way to to characterize a a nearly face-to-face visit is in the video visit realm, where you can actually see work of of breathing, where you can see them holding onto their chest at that particular time when they're talking to you about chest pain and where that, that pain actually is. And they can point to this is where my hand hurts. And you can see the joint better and the descriptions get more concise on a video visit than they are in the telephonic area.
0: Are specialists using telehealth in Kaiser Permanente?
1: On chat, for example, we have a dermatologist on with us. We have an OBGYN doctor on with us. We have a behavioral health care specialist on with us. We have emergency room physicians, pediatricians, family medicine, internal medicine, and others that are gonna shortly join the team to be on chat with us. So Yes, other specialties are using it. Dermatology is probably best handled on a video visit or a even a just a picture visit with with chat where people can send you a picture of a rash. So it makes it easier for some specialties to do that than than others. I think surgery will have a little bit of a difficult time doing virtual care visits because their exam is so much more important than it is in other realms. But I also think that they're going to learn that their exam isn't as important as it may need to be.
0: Yeah, the history is still going to be um, primary there and ascend mm-hmm. to something even more important. And I've heard of other physicians talking about being able to do that history and then only having to bring physicians in for a short amount of time to confirm with physical exam. And all those other things that get tossed into the in person visit, such as consent forms or Going back and forth with questions can now be handled through a virtual space and not having people exposed by having to get out of their homes, their living situations and come in as well. Do you think that telehealth is a satisfier for physicians overall? I do. It gives you
1: a little bit of a, a different breadth of practice and allows you to have a little bit of a a break from what can sometimes be a monotonous day of seeing patients face-to-face. Having that change helps you with being a a better physician.
0: How does it help you be a better physician?
1: You have to listen better. You have to Mm. be more in tune with what's going on, and you can't miss those subtle cues that you need to really capture in a virtual visit.
0: And how do you think patients like it?
1: I think they like it a lot. I used to think that it was going to be the younger group that would enjoy it the most, but that's not the case. The 70s and 80-year-old men and women that I'm seeing on some of these visits are really engaged as well and enjoy having the ability to do this virtually and not leave their home, especially if they have difficulty with transportation or difficulty with even walking out of the house because of osteoarthritis of the knees or whatever that might
0: be. And you tell us a story where you were surprised that you were able to help a patient through telehealth, either through getting them to a different place or not even having to change anything there, or, or maybe where a patient was very appreciative of their experience in interacting with you through a telehealth encounter.
1: So this happened, I don't know, maybe 10 days ago, a gal was chatting with me on our chat platform and she asked if how to get in touch with an OBGYN physician, she needed to talk about her birth control issues. And I said, well, I may be able to help you with that. And she said, I know I'd really like to speak with OBGYN. I said, well, it just happens that we have an OBGYN on chat with us now. And would you like me to connect you to that person? And she said, oh, my God, that would be amazing. So my next sentence was, I'll transfer you in just a second, but be prepared to be amazed.
0: To have that degree of seamlessness in real time um, and being able to really get to a solution for that member that quickly, um, it truly is amazing. What have we learned about responding to a pandemic? and telehealth?
1: But it's really difficult. And probably the biggest component of that difficultness is that it, there are behavioral health care challenges that everybody is feeling right now. And when we start to think about how to deliver that level of care, we need to be really mindful about how that is done. And to help people connect directly to the behavioral health providers that we have in a, in a live and important way so that they can get through this better. You know, when I first started taking care of the COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, it was all about symptoms of physical symptoms. It was about fever and it was about shortness of breath. Within about six weeks of that, it had changed and it had become more behavioral health components of anxiety. I'm afraid I'm going to catch the virus. I'm afraid that my family is going to be ill because of it. I already have the virus. I'm afraid I spread it to 40 different people. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to die in the hospital alone for some of those more elderly folks. I'm afraid to travel to go see somebody in another state because of a funeral that they wanted to go to and what should I do and those type of things are happening in the telehealth care space now. And those are really challenging visits and also A visit that has a tremendous amount of impact on the trust in our system and our ability to deliver healthcare virtually is being demonstrated on a daily basis with that.
0: And what are the implications for the future of how Kaiser Permanente practices medicine as we are kind of now in that neutral zone? This isn't brand new to us anymore, and yet it's not over. How is telehealth going to be a part of? how we deliver care at Kaiser Permanente going forward, do you think?
1: Well, you know, we already deliver it at 60% or plus percent of virtual care visits. I think that we are going to find a flat part of the curve somewhere around the 75 to 85% range of care can be delivered virtually. So I believe that that's where we're headed. And we, the pandemic, one of the good things that is going to come out of this is that we will be able to demonstrate that virtual care is effective care. And it is important care. It's accepted care and it's quality care. It doesn't leave out the wellness components. It takes care of the whole person. And we can do that at 80%
0: level. That's really an amazing thing to say that we could have such a foundational transformation and have the same quality outcomes and caring delivered through this virtual platform.
1: Telehealth is changing and becoming more accepted. We are at the forefront of that. I'm glad to be at that forefront and glad to see that it's becoming more of a part of care delivery.
0: And Troy, I'm so glad that you're a part of Kaiser Permanente. I can hear competence and caring in your voice. I know it of you as a person, but you really do represent Um, the best of care delivery in our system. And so thanks for what you do, taking care of members and patients for us. It's uh, really been a delight to talk with you. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome, glad to have done it.
0: Thanks to my guests for joining me today. And thank you for listening to the Health Views podcast with me, Deb Friesen. I hope you'll share this episode with colleagues, friends and family members who are interested in diving deeper into meaningful and relevant health and wellness topics. I look forward to the next conversation and we'll share another episode of health views with you soon. Take good care. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. The content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the listener's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professionals.